Welcome back to the Block O Show presented by Barrio Tacos. Micah Flack, Tyler Danberg, and Connor Shu, along with you as Ohio State will travel to West Lafayette and face the Purdue Boilermakers. Ohio State, though, let's get right into it. Coming off a very tough win, the score 37-17 against the Maryland Terrapins, but a sluggish win that was. The Buckeyes trailed early in the third quarter, but ripped off 27 points for a win and Ohio State kind of trying to figure out where they want to be especially in the run game that's been the biggest question going into this Purdue game this season the Buckeyes have been unable to run the ball effectively they're ranked ninth in the conference in yards per game and 11th in total rush yards though Travion Henderson is number seven in the conference with 73.8 rush yards per game the team had three backs last season in the top 20 rushers in the Big Ten and Travion Henderson, Mine Williams, and Dallin Hayden. And guys, let's get right into it. Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Is this something that the Buckeyes should be concerned about as the senior continues? It absolutely is because you want to establish the run game. We were at Ryan Day's media availability on Tuesday, and he was talking about the importance of running the ball as the season goes on because, let's face it, guys, we are in Big Ten country. Today, we're recording on a Tuesday. It's a crisp 55 degrees and it's going to continue to get colder so Ryan Day was saying today that when the season goes on and you're playing outdoors in November you can't go three four five wideouts all the time you got to get the ground game going and it is worth noting that Travion Henderson did not play last week but hopefully he can be in the starting lineup for the Buckeyes. He was out with an undisclosed injury, perhaps saving his legs for this game against the Boilermakers. As Purdue is allowing 4.3 yards a carry and over 158 yards a game, Ohio State lost a couple key pieces on that offensive line as current Arizona Cardinals tackle Paris Johnson Jr. and Cleveland Browns tackle Dewan Jones have both left the Ohio State building. And it's going to be a question against Purdue. Can you get the run game going? Because not to think too far ahead, you're going to have Penn State come in with a stout defense, and that's something you're going to want to fix. How do you think the Buckeyes will be able to fix the run game, Connor? Well, I think they're just going to have to rely on their current guys on that offensive line. You've got the two Joshes on each side, Simmons and Fryer. And those two specifically, Simmons, have really kind of struggled with penalties throughout this year and especially blocking on those outside zone runs, especially springing guys like Trainum and Williams, who aren't necessarily as fast as a Henderson to those outside runs. So it's really going to be about those two guys springing some holes for especially Williams and Trainum. But also, I think maybe we should see some more Evan Pryor action in the next couple of games, especially if Travion Henderson doesn't get any action specifically next week. But Pryor, he's a guy... A little smaller, more of a scat back. He can change the pace up and give the Purdue defense, which is a fairly solid rush defense, only allows about 100 yards a game on the ground, a different look because Williams and Trainum, let's face it, they're two very similar players. So I think they need a different guy, like, of course, Henderson, who they will get back soon. But in the meantime, bringing Pryor in to get a couple extra snaps here and there, that would be key for their rushing offense. 
And Travion Henderson has only one 100-yard rushing game against Notre Dame. And we mentioned Dallin Hayden as a top 20 rusher last season in the Big Ten. Ryan Day in his press conference on Tuesday mentioned the running back room being deep and the veteran leaders ahead of Hayden, but says that Hayden is ready to go if need be. Tyler, is it time to maybe look at the possibility of bringing him in for a couple games? It really could be because Ryan Day said on Tuesday he doesn't want to waste Hayden's eligibility meaning doesn't want him to play four games unless it's needed. And last year, Hayden eclipsed over 500 yards in 10 games, started one as well in a spot situation. So perhaps we could see him. He's another explosive runner, and he also can get involved like Pryor, who you mentioned, Connor, in the pass-catching game. And Purdue has sacked the quarterback moving on to the offensive line 18 times this season. Second best mark in the Big Ten. Kyle McCord got sacked three times against Maryland looked uncomfortable under pressure. Ryan Day said he was confident in his guys and has the right people in the positions. But this offensive line has had some struggles. What do you think the offensive line needs to do to step up coming up in these big games? I would say, Micah, they're going to have to pick up those extra blitzers because Purdue, a lot of their sack production have come from linebackers. Kydron Jenkins, he leads the Big Ten with four sacks and that was something that Ohio State struggled with against Maryland. There were some times where the Terps would rush six or seven in the box and the O-line, they had to really pick up on it and the tight ends too. So look out for these linebackers and Jenkins, Nick Scorton as well is another multiple sack guy. So Purdue likes to get pressure on the quarterback outside of the defensive front men. And you got to be able to pick up that pressure. But Kyle, what do you think has been the struggle? You know what Ohio State needs to do against Purdue, but what has been the struggle for them so far this season in protecting the quarterback, but also allowing for those holes on the run game? Well, I think, again, as we've already preached in the duration of this podcast so far, it's those tackles, Simmons and Fryer. And of course, the center and guards aren't absolved of their sins either. They've let a lot of free rushers get through to Kyle McCord, and he's been pressured a lot this season so far, and obviously he's had a very solid season. Eight touchdowns, one pick, around 1,500 passing yards so far. He's been good for this team, but if they can give him a little bit more time to throw, I think he would be a whole lot better, and you could say the exact same thing for that running game. Chip Trainum, usually pretty solid on the ground, only about 60 yards on 20 carries. Not what you want to see out of your RB1. And Ryan Day has been preaching that the backup offensive linemen have not put enough pressure on these starters to really get those reps. And is it time to finally maybe see a backup? Is there a guy that's on your mind that maybe should get a couple reps here and there as this season continues? I think the two guys, especially the two tackles, would be true freshman Luke Montgomery who's gotten some time as that extra O-lineman. He'll switch from wearing the number 51 to 98 as that extra O-lineman. And then Tegra Shibola as well, who had a little time last year, but he came into this season one of the backup offensive tackles. I think those are two of the guys that come to mind in maybe getting some more playing time and some more increase in snaps as the season goes on. 
And Ohio State struggled running the ball, but Ryan Day is determined that you need to have a balanced attack if it's a rainy or windy day. You need to be able to pick up those four or five yards. But statistically, Ohio State has been the Big Ten's leading passer per game, 302 yards per game, has been statistically better throwing than passing. Is it time to consider maybe allowing the pass to open up the run game? I think that's definitely that definitely could be the case, and I think they started doing that in the second half of the Maryland game. Kyle McCord, he had 29 pass attempts, so definitely not nothing there. A lot of that came in the second half, including his two touchdowns and the bulk of the 320 passing yards he had, and they did that without opening up the run game at all. I mean, on the day, the Buckeye rushing attack had sub-100 yards about Looking at it right now, if you include Kyle McCord's negative 20 rushing yards on those three sacks, you end up with about 70, 80 rushing yards on the day. So if they can do that against a solid run defense like Maryland and still open up that pass game, I think they could do it against a lot of teams, maybe even a Penn State and they're very good defense. I think we saw it open up too, Connor. You're absolutely right in that second half. And you take a look at the receivers for Ohio State. They were paced in that game by Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously, 163 yards and a touchdown, his fourth 160-plus yard game in his career. But then Cade Stover with 66, Julian Fleming with 45 receiving yards. Now you look at those three guys, Harrison's longest catch, 58, Stover's 44, Fleming's 37. So it goes to show you that they are finding ways to open up that passing game by making those big plays. And you mentioned Case Stover. He's taken a lot of snaps and has kind of done the dirty work, as Ryan Day has said. And to kind of keep Maryland off balance, they went to a two tight end set. He said their philosophy hasn't changed, but they've been able to find more play action passes. Do you think they should maybe stick or kind of continue to use a two tight end set? I think they absolutely could, using the big bodies of Cade Stover and, of course, G. Scott Jr. And when healthy, you could even throw Joe Royer in there as a third tight end option to really shore up your blocking. And if they do that, it opens up room on the outside for one-on-ones for Marvin Harrison Jr. And I can't believe we haven't even mentioned him yet. A Emeka Ibuka, who actually might be hurt, too. Still don't know if he's going to play against Purdue. But if you have that two tight end set can kind of mess with the defense a little bit and make them think you're going to run the ball of course when you have those stacked up tight ends in the middle then it opens up that passing game so it could be huge especially for play action and you mentioned Emeka Abuka, the yin to the yang of Marvin Harrison Jr. Ryan Day said he would be evaluated throughout the week and it is nothing serious. How much does this change your game plan if you're Ohio State against Purdue if Emeka Abuka is not traveling? Well, I think it totally throws a changeup in Ohio State's offensive scheme because most defenses, they can't double Marvin Harrison Jr., or if they do, they have to be careful of Emeka Ibuka. Those are two guys that you certainly have to keep equal eyesight on. And now with Abuka out or Harrison out when he has not been out on the field, that's where that sole wide receiver one becomes more absorbed by the defense. So it's totally changed up when one of those guys, the Ying or the Yang, were not to be out on the field. 
And is it maybe time for someone like Carnell Tay, Xavier Johnson, veteran leaders in this locker room to step up in this past game? I think absolutely. You look at Carnell Tate. He's had a grab last Saturday against Maryland. He had that touchdown against Western Kentucky and a gorgeous ball from Devin Brown. So this is one of those games where you can see a guy like Tate be turned loose. Same thing with Xavier Johnson. It was great to see Julian Fleming really get going for the first time last Saturday. So there are a couple different options that the world is the oyster of for Kyle McCord. Really quickly, before we shift gears to the Boilermakers, you got to mention this special teams for Ohio State. A lot of struggles. One of the very few teams in the country that has a full-time special teams coordinator. We saw an illegal motion, and then we saw a snap that was on the ground. It's seen a couple issues throughout this season. Ryan Day said he wants this special teams to be an attacking, an aggressive thing for them, and it's just not been that way so far this season. Yeah, it's been a little bit messy, especially in that Maryland game like you talked about, specifically that muffed that muffed snap on the punt, of course, when it ended up going to Cody Simon, and he lost a couple yards. Tried to get that first down, athletic guy, but obviously that wasn't in the cards initially. And with that and their punt and kick returners, Ekbuka and Johnson, two great athletes, quick guys, but they haven't had a lot of opportunities to really show themselves in that facet, so... I think that might just have to be something they have to improve from within with their current personnel. And we will be right back to talk about Purdue as Tyler will give you a little bit more information about Barrio Tacos. All right, well, thank you, Micah. Barrio Tacos, our premier sponsor of SGSR and the Blocko Show. It's located right in the heart of the Ohio State campus at 15th and High Streets. Barrio serves tacos late night each night and has an incredible happy hour with half-off margs and dollar-off tacos from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Come stop by the restaurant. Buck ID and DoorDash is included. Purdue 2-3 and three in their last five games against Ohio State. A new regime rolls into station as Ryan Walters is the fourth youngest head coach in the Power 5 Conference, takes over from Jeff Brom as he heads to his alma mater in Louisville and what a season they've had. But he's taken over two years as the defensive coordinator at Illinois and one of the bright minds in this sport as Purdue started off very sluggishly, won a couple games, beat Illinois, beat Virginia Tech. But they know how to beat Ohio State back in 2018. Everyone remembers that. That was Urban Meyer's final season, and they were able to pull off the win 49 to 20 all three wins if you go back even farther they're three and five in the last seven have been at West Lafayette it seems like Purdue is that one school for Ohio State every Big Ten school has that one other school that's their kryptonite Purdue seems to be that way especially at Ross Aid Stadium you look at the last lineage of Ohio State head coaches this is courtesy of the great Spencer Holbrook by the way Woody Hayes Earl Bruce, John Cooper, Jim Tressel, Urban Meyer. What do they all have in common? Well, first off, all incredible coaches and some of the top winningest coaches in Ohio State history, but they've all lost on the road at Purdue, which is really interesting. So Ryan Day certainly knows that this is a tough place to play and a tough place to win. The Buckeyes have won 13 of 22 games at Ross-Aid Stadium. They've lost nine times Yet, they're going to try and extend that undefeated streak to begin the season. But it's just really interesting to see Purdue 
be such a thorn in Ohio State's side at times, and why Purdue? Very interesting to take a look at. And then you're going to see the fans pour out in droves in ross this Saturday. Of course, they know the history just like we do, just like the coaches do. And maybe this is the coming out game for Purdue and Ryan Walters and his defensive philosophy. Of course, they're only six games into his tenure, so the team probably still trying to figure out that scheme. Obviously, that's not something you just learn overnight. And I mean, what better team for them to do it against other than Ohio State? So obviously some spoiler potential. Wanted to ask you guys this, Micah and Connor. Since that loss to Purdue, the Buckeyes have made the college football playoff in three of its last four opportunities. Is that loss at ross Stadium, has that kind of been the positive turning point for the Buckeyes in recent program history? I would say it is. You even go back to 2017 where they lost to Iowa, which also kept them out. But you look in 2018, it was even a bigger defeat, 49-20. to I think there was a lot of pressure in that game, and that was such a big blemish on the Buckeyes' record. They never wanted to do something like that again, and they never want to look ahead again and be overwhelmed with the team that they're facing on the field. And, of course, after those three or four years making the college football playoff, they're 5-0 to start this season, and a couple quality wins, especially that Notre Dame one, but a couple of games that people weren't too happy with, and if they can steamroll Purdue here and keep up the good trend, I think they're on track for another college football playoff appearance, and who knows, maybe even a championship if they can figure out that run game. And Purdue likes to play spoiler. You look back in 2021, Michigan State comes off beating the University of Michigan. Kenneth Walker has his coming out party. They go to West Lafayette and lose that game. They are an upset machine in West Lafayette. But after losing Jeff Brom, he took a lot of his players with him in the transfer portal. And because of that, this is a Purdue defense that is allowing 28 points and 380 yards, 13th in the Big Ten. And what does this defense need to do to be successful against the Buckeyes? I think they're going to have to be very physical in the defensive backfield. Last week, they had a remarkable game against Iowa. And they had the fewest passing yards allowed by a Purdue defense in quite a long time. Holding the Hawkeyes to under 150 passing yards, that's really, really impressive. I think they're going to need to break up passes, try and get the turnover. They like to play that high safety with the true freshman, Dylan Thieneman, who is the only freshman in college football and in the Power Five to have three picks. So I think getting him involved is going to be crucial. I think they're just going to have to play a strong game in the secondary to limit Ohio State and force the Buckeyes to kind of establish that ground game more. I think I couldn't agree more. The Buckeyes really need to watch out for that Purdue pass defense, specifically Thieneman. You said the only freshman in the country with three picks, and on top of that, two-time Big Ten freshman of the week. But granted, look at last week. The quarterback they played was not Cade McNamara. That was their backup, Deacon Hill, 6-for-21 for about 110 yards touchdown and a pick. So, well, that's a very solid defensive performance. It's against an unproven quarterback. So when you go up against a guy like Kyle McCord, this Ohio State team might be a bit of a different story but with that said I agree if they can rush the passer if they can get the best out of their defensive backs I think they could definitely give the Buckeyes some fits 
And the Boilermakers, after that loss to Iowa, moved to 2-4 and four and 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. The Hawkeyes has a very stingy defense that pressured Hudson Card all day, sacking him six times. And this leads us to the Buckeye defense. This is a, a Buckeye defense that has kind of changed their philosophy from last season to this season. Has talent all over the defensive uh, side of the ball. JT Tuomoliao, Jack Sawyer, Caden Curry. You look at the, the back end as well. Just very talented. And how important will it be for Purdue to protect its QB Hudson Card throughout the game, especially as he's coming on off some banged up games. It's going to be really important. You mentioned banged up. Hudson Card got banged up. It's never been disclosed what, but he has been dealing with a lingering injury since that September 30th game against Illinois, yet he hasn't missed a snap. But that means he is still battling some health issues, so it's going to be even more important for that O-line to step up. And this O-line has also kind of been tattered a little bit. They're going to have to test some different guys on that O-line because the freshman All-American from last year, Marcus Embo, will not be playing at that right tackle slot. He's out for the rest of the season after leaving in that game against Iowa. So there are a couple options, including one of them being the sixth-year trans for from Kent State Daniel Johnson shout out the Mac by the way and he's going to have to get some one-on-one snaps with Sawyer and Tui Moloa so that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye out as this game unfolds I mean just before I go ahead gotta love the Maction reference there <laughs> shout out to you Micah Toledo native right there but to go back to Purdue's offense against that Ohio State defense Hudson Card yeah banged up He also got sacked six times against Iowa. And on top of that, that was an Iowa team that had only had three sacks the entire season before that game. So if a team like that can do that to Hudson Card and that Purdue offensive line, who knows what the Buckeyes are going to do. And he's a guy who's been said to run into a few more sacks than you would want. So... I think that's a pretty good recipe for the Buckeye front seven. Yeah, he had those two intentional grounding penalties as well, but there was a lot of preseason hype surrounding Hudson Card, and rightfully so. Three years at Texas, he stepped into a big spot last year when Quinn Ewers got hurt. Not once, but twice, and originally came in against Alabama, and then he continued to hold on to that job as Quinn Ewers was dealing with some injuries. So this is a guy that certainly had a lot of time in Austin and then the coaching staff at Purdue was big on him and then of course playing for Graham Harrell former fantastic Texas Tech quarterback one of the initial QBs that made the air raid so cool under the late great Mike Leach so that pairing too definitely gave the Big Ten Uh, A a little bit of a notice on what Hudson Card might be able to do this year. And second in the Big Ten in passing right now is Hudson Card. So keep an eye out on him to see what he can try and do against this Ohio State secondary. Hudson Card in those games where Quinn Ewers was hurt, six touchdowns, only one interception. And Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Ohio State, spoke very highly of the Purdue quarterback, saying he's got a strong arm, he makes all the throws, and is athletic enough to scramble and hurt you. And just doesn't have to be a pocket guy. He said, I'm very impressed with his ability. And Card has been banged up, like we mentioned. But what does Card need to do to help lead this offense to an upset? 
he's going to have to dish it out to his receivers. He's going to have to spread out the receiving wealth against Iowa. The Boilermakers had an emerging wide receiver threat in T.J. Sheffield with 93 yards and a touchdown, including a 48-yarder at the end of that first half. So he's going to have to utilize his guys and be smart to not make those game-impacting decisions, whether that's throwing it away and the intentional grounding, that pick like he threw to Cooper DeGene, one of the great interception-returning safeties in the country. So I think it's going to be decision-making and spreading the wealth for the three receivers, or excuse me, Deion Burks, Abdur Rahman Yassin, and then the tight end who's starting to get back into the swing of things, Garrett Miller. And to add to that, Tyler, he doesn't just need to spread the ball around. He also needs to get the ball out quickly, like we mentioned earlier with those sack problems. Him kind of getting himself into trouble along with a banged-up offensive line. But he does do a very good job of spreading the ball around. The Boilermakers this season, they've got four guys who have 20 or more receptions on top of Maccabee, their starting running back and ex-honorable mention All-American freshman. He's got 14 receptions as well. And then Miller, you just mentioned, he just came back and had eight receptions against Iowa. So they've got a pretty solid receiving card. He knows how to spread it around. So if he can do that and pair that with using his legs a little bit more and getting that ball out quicker, I think they might have a chance with him. And to follow up on that, Connor, six sacks, we continue to mention that pressured all day against Iowa, banged up. But will Hudson Carr maybe not just need to dish it, but also be able to scramble out of the pocket and use his legs as well with two offensive linemen out? What 100%. He's going to have to extend the pocket like that throw he had on the touchdown to Sheffield. Really had no business in completing that throw, and then Sheffield made that touchdown work the rest of the way. So I think it's plays like those where Card is going to really need to establish himself, especially with some inexperienced guys in terms of this year, like Daniel Johnson, although he has played six years of college football, but he's also starting to get used to game feel again after not playing he still has yet to appear this year so I think Card's gonna have to use his legs a little bit more to extend the play and Jim Knowles mentioned gotta get off the field on third downs Purdue is one of the top third down conversion teams in the nation tied for 27th nationally converting 45 percent of their third downs and how much of an effect does Purdue need to convert those and be aggressive in this game to have a chance? I think they're going to have to lean on their running back, Devin Maccabee, as I mentioned earlier, to get some of those third down chances. Of course, that's their bread and butter right there, getting near that line to get a bunch of third and short opportunities. So if Hudson Card can make some solid throws, maybe some plays with his legs, as we've mentioned, that can, that can make their chances better on third down. Maccabee is a safety valve, too. You mentioned the 14 receptions, but this guy works great in open space and also just dominating the interior, and he's coming off a season-high 126 total yards. So he's had the hot hand as of late, and last week was one of the more showcase games for what Maccabee can do as a pass catcher. So being an option when the play breaks down or – on you know third and short, if you can dump it off to him in the flat, or if you can maybe find one of those interior runs just to plunge your way for the first down and get a gritty 
first down, I, I think that can be super beneficial for Purdue and just kind of work in the clock a little bit more. I th- this could be one of those time of possession games for Purdue because ultimately Ohio State's going to wear you down and they're going to try to wear you down. So how do you counter that? Well, sometimes you have to hold on to the rock and cash in when you can. And something I forgot to mention, just like Maccabee, they have Tyrone Tracy Jr., their backup running back, ex-wide receiver. He's got nine receptions this year, so another great safety valve Hudson Card could use on third down to really extend those drives and get those six, seven, eight-minute drives going that can possibly wear down that Ohio State defense. But again, that's how they've excelled this year, bending and not breaking. But for Tracy Jr., who went down with a questionable injury in the first half of the game against Iowa. He didn't play in the second. It's still no one knows if he's playing this Saturday, but if he does, he'll be someone to look out for. And I, I want to ask you both this. You know, what is too aggressive? Most coaches would say against Ohio State, you're going to have to be aggressive. But we saw last weekend Georgia Tech beats Miami as they don't kneel the ball. There's maybe too much aggression. What is the line you would think that Purdue needs to be? You're, are you going for it on fourth down inside your own 30? You know, how aggressive is too aggressive? That example Exactly, because unless, you know, it's it's a one or two score game and we're in the final five minutes and you're just grasping for straws. But if it's still maintainable in the middle of the game, I would say too aggressive will be anything maybe inside your own 35 or 40, unless it's maybe fourth and inches or fourth and one. And you can plunge it with one of your big backs in Maccabee or even Tracy to open him up if he plays and a guy like Dylan Downing, too. So I'd say that's too aggressive, but you know if you're Purdue in this situation and you're two and four, you're one and two in the Big Ten, you don't have much to lose, and you're just trying to be the spoiler makers while Ohio State has everything to play for. So if it's close, which I'm not sure if it's going to be late in the game, but of course we'll see, I think that's being too, uh, too gambling at times. And I think you can kind of push that line a little bit when you have a quarterback like Hudson Card, who, as Jim Noel said, can make all the throws. It's just a question of, are you gonna? is he going to be throwing it into too tight of windows, and is he going to still be mistake-prone, as we've seen with the five interceptions so far this year? I think it's all up to what throws can he make. And I think if you're Purdue, you see Ohio State be very sluggish in the first half. Maryland should have been leading that first half if they did some clock management and were able to get that field goal in time. And if you're Purdue, I think you'd be more aggressive in that first half. That's where Ohio State has struggled the most. They've continued to be a second-half team. And before we end, what are your guys' final thoughts on the matchup? So the line for this game is actually negative 20 and a half. This is in favor of the Buckeyes, of course. But Purdue, they've always got that potential. You said it earlier, Tyler, the spoiler makers, if you will. So they could possibly do that, but that's not going to change my score prediction. I th- I'm thinking this is going to be a bit of a 35 to 20 matchup. I'm going to go 45-17 Ohio State. 
The secondary is a little bit depleted for Purdue. O.C. Brothers, one of their safeties, he hasn't played much. He's missed the last two games. Marquise Wilson, the Penn State transfer on the edge, on the outside as a corner, he's out for the season. So what does a more inexperienced secondary for Purdue mean for Ohio State? That means the wide receivers can have a big showing if they can get the ball, and if they can get the ball in open space, especially, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has just another statement game. Give him his 11th 100-plus yard game in his Ohio State career. He's closing in on David Boston's 14, so we'll see if he can get that this year, but I'm going to go a big 45-17 win for Ohio State. I'll expect Purdue to come out swinging in the first half, but Ohio State is going to find their run game against a Purdue team that's giving up 4.3 yards a carry. They're not going to look ahead, and I think they're going to beat Purdue by the same score Purdue beat them in 2018. Give me 49-20 Ohio State. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Block O Show presented by Barrio Tacos. As Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio will be at West Lafayette and Purdue. The call at noon. Tyler Danberg and Connor Shue on that. And me, Micah Flack, I will have the pregame at 11.30. And thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Block O Show.